It's time once again for another episode of the Law and Medicine Show, being sponsored by the law firm of Prinzenthal and May. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now, please welcome your host and their guests on today's episode. Hi, I'm David May, returning host of uh, Law and Medicine, and I am a managing partner in Princenthal and May and a lawyer, and uh, we do personal injury and workers' compensation. We have offices in Sandy Springs, which is the North Atlanta area, as well as in West Georgia now out in uh, LaGrange to service what has been an underserviced uh, area. And I have a couple of uh, uh, great doctors from divergent uh, areas of, uh, of practice today on the show, Dr. Uh, David Wright and then uh, Dr. Uh, Na Crump. And uh, the reason why we uh, like to have doctors on the, uh, on the show is, you know, in my practice, uh, we have a lot of clients who uh, suffer from chronic pain and uh, medication use and even prescription abuse issues. And uh, there's a number of different approaches out there to assisting people treat their pain, and so I'm always interested in hearing uh, different uh, perspectives. And one of those uh, perspectives today is going to come from Dr. Wright, who is a uh, hypnotherapist, and I will let him tell you about himself and uh, uh, his well-credentialed history. Go ahead, Dr. Wright. Well, thank you, Counselor. I appreciate it. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone, all the listeners out there. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on the show today. My name is Dr. David A. Wright. Uh, I'm a board-certified hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner. NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. That's a psychoanalytic technique um, that was developed by Dr. Milton Erickson. Um, Let's see here. I just recently started my own practice here, um, and my primary office location is in Decatur, Georgia, um, located at 465 Winway. Uh, I work out of the offices of the largest psychiatric practice in the state of Georgia. And my mentor is Dr. Todd Anton, who is one of the top psychiatrists in the state. Um, I graduated from medical school from Xavier University School of Medicine in 2010, summa cum laude. Um, my emphases during medical school were forensic psychiatry, addiction psychiatry or addiction medicine, and neurology. Um, Like I said, I just started my practice. I'm accepting new patients and referrals right now. I see a host of different types of patients, patients who have pain conditions, patients who have personality disorders, patients who have behavioral disorders, anything ranging from ADHD to borderline personality to mild depression to phobias, all those types of things. And, um, you know, I bring a breadth of experience to the field. Uh, I'm a strong advocate for psychoanalysis. Um, The fathers of psychiatry were Dr. Sigmund Freud and Dr. Milton Erickson. They both embraced psychoanalytic techniques, Um, not that they were adverse or averse to medications, but those are the types of uh, techniques and resources that they embraced because they realized what big of a role neural networks play with um, psychiatry and with 
psychiatric conditions. Well, Dr. Wright, uh, tell us a little bit about what psychoanalysis is and then what uh, hypnotherapy is, because I think these are two fairly misunderstood uh, areas of, uh, of medicine. Absolutely. So psychoanalysis basically involves gathering information that leads to anchors within the mind. And so when you look at the gestalt of a person, we have hormones, we have neural networks, we have cells, we have all these different things that together function as a working piece. Uh, you could call it art or you could call it a machine, however you want to look at it. But they all function together. And when you make adjustments to one part of it, it affects the other parts. Um, psychoanalysis uses words, behaviors, actions, thoughts to loosen neural networks. And when I say neural networks, I mean the networks that help control pain, what we feel, what we think, what we do, all those different types of things. Um, so that's psychoanalysis. And there are a lot of different resources and tools within psychoanalysis that you can use to reach a breakthrough uh, with a patient or with a group or with a couple. Uh, the other uh, thing that you asked about, that's NLP, that's Neuro Linguistic Programming. That's a technique that was um, fathered by Dr. Milton Erickson and, um, and developed by John Grinder and Richard Bandler. And basically, they looked at, they were two researchers, two psychologists who looked at some of the breakthroughs that were being experienced by the patients of Dr. Milton Erickson and a therapist named Virginia Satir. And what they noticed is that they were able to make huge breakthroughs in a relatively short amount of time with patients, and no one could figure out why. And the reason why, and, and the best analogy that I would use is like an iceberg, like the Titanic. So everybody's familiar with the Titanic, the, one of my favorite movies, love it. But one of the things that people don't realize about the Titanic is it's not the iceberg that they could see. It was the part of the iceberg that was deep beneath the water that they couldn't see that led to that tragedy. And the same is true with our minds and with our bodies and our neural networks. It's the things that we don't see, the things beneath the surface that make the biggest difference. And so you have a lot of people who spend years and years in therapy just talking about this and talking about that, but they don't really make any breakthroughs and they don't make a lot of progress because they're just hitting the surface. They never get to the iceberg underneath. And that's what I specialize in. Well, it's interesting to me that you reference neurology and neurological pathways. And uh, as you mentioned, when you were uh, going over your background earlier, you're also an MD. Uh, you know, I don't think too many people draw the connection between psychoanalysis, NLP, hypnotherapy, and uh, uh, and neurology. You want to expound upon that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So... You know, most people are, are familiar or at least somewhat familiar with our healthcare system, at least from a consumer level. But, um, and, you know, we all know that there's been a lot of legislation and a lot of political discourse about our healthcare system. Um, you know, um, and actually during medical school, I did two master's degrees back to back. I did an MBA in healthcare management and I did a master's in health services administration with a focus on healthcare law. And I actually did my MBA thesis on um, the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act. So I'm pretty familiar with uh, healthcare care law. Um, and actually, before that, I attended law school. So anyway, 
but uh, that's for another show. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I have a huge respect for attorneys. Uh, so I really appreciate what you guys are doing today. But yeah, no. So the thing about it is, is we have a system, right? We have a system, a healthcare system, and. Probably since, I guess, the 1950s, the 1960s, doctors no longer have control of the healthcare system. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't understand why physicians oftentimes don't embrace some of the, the new healthcare legislation we have. It's because it's geared towards insurance companies. Uh, it's like a cattle call. Um, you know, I recently flew Southwest Airlines for the first time, and I heard people who had flown before – whom I had asked about, and they said, yeah, it's like a cattle call, yada, yada, yada. I actually had a great experience. I loved Southwest. They were so friendly. They were nice. It was easygoing. Um, But I I get the sense of what people are saying. And so we have, in this country, we have systems. We have so many people. We have systems that put everybody through the same track. Healthcare system does that, whether you're talking about hypertension or you're talking about diabetes or you're talking about mental health. There's a pill for everything. There's a process. We're all made differently. So the same solution that might work for Mary over here might not work for Joe. The educational system is the same way. It's a one-size-fit-all system. And that's why so many parents choose to homeschool or to send their kid to a private school or some other means of educating their child. Um, so that's one of the big problems with the healthcare system is we have a one-size-fits-all. It wants to medicate everyone. It wants to apply the same set of tools and resources to everyone. And it just doesn't work. And so... One of the backbones of medicine that a lot of practitioners um, and healthcare providers forget about is history and physical. History and physical are the keys to medical diagnosis and treatment, but we don't focus on the history a lot. So there are a lot of things, a lot of clues about clients that we don't get because we don't ask enough questions. Well, let me uh, comment on that. You know, when I have uh, injured clients and were in depositions. I represent the injured workers or accident victims. And uh, when we're in depositions with doctors, sometimes the uh, other side, in other words, the defense attorneys hired by the insurance carriers, uh, will uh, go after the doctors a little bit and say, well, everything you've learned from this patient is simply based on the medical history that this patient is giving you, and it's incorrect and perhaps insinuating that the patient is actually lying to you. Uh, how do you discern whether you have a, uh, a truth-telling uh, <clears throat> patient when you go through your uh, analysis? Right, right. So one of the things that I, um, I chose to do after I graduated from medical school is um, actually uh, one of my mentors was Dr. Todd Anton, and like I mentioned earlier, he's one of the t- probably, if not the top psychiatrists in the state. He's quadruple board certified in geriatric psychiatry, forensic psychiatry, addiction medicine, and general adult psychiatry. Um, brilliant guy. And I chose to um, I chose to do um, a period of study with him for six years. So I trained under him for six years in forensic psychiatry. So what you the the concept that you mentioned uh, from a psychiatric standpoint um, is called malingering. So there are several different words for it, but malingering is, is probably the chief one that's used. And it just means that someone's lying or they're faking something. So there are a lot of different clues um, to whether someone's faking or not. And so, the, you know, probably the biggest one that people have is, you know, they see a show where they're like taping people and, you know, this guy's laid off from work. He's you know, on workers' comp. He's getting a big check. He says he can't move, et cetera, et cetera. And then, 
you know, some PI, you know, video cords him in his backyard playing tennis while swimming and drinking cocktails, you know, uh, it, obviously, you know, the guy's malingering. So, but there are a lot of things that people can do that give you clues to whether they're malingering or not. Um, you know, there are, there are body language cues that they give away. There are cues in their language, inconsistencies in the history, all different types of things. And so it's just kind of like a crime, you know, it's, it's like a legal case, um, or a crime scene. You can tell a certain story, but if the evidence points a different way, it's hard to make people believe that story. And how does, uh, uh, hypnotherapy work uh, in uh, helping patients control their pain. Okay. So the way that hypnotherapy works is our, our people don't realize this, but our body organs operate at frequencies. Our heart operates at a certain frequency. And the way that you measure that with the heart is via an EKG. So we have tools. Um, the field of medicine has progressed so much in recent decades, it, it's unreal. But we have different tools where we can actually measure the waves that are coming from different organs, whether it's your liver or whether it's your heart or whether it's your brain. And so our brains give off different waves. They give off some waves when we sleep, other waves when we're awake, different waves when we're alert, when we're focused, when we're concentrated, when we're driving when we're playing games. And so we have all these different techniques now where we can actually sense what's going on. We can see what areas of the brain are being activated and we can actually sense the waves. And so what hypnotherapy does is it actually puts the brain in a different state in a wave system that's more receptive, that's more giving and more taking. So it's giving in the sense that patients are more likely to provide insights to what's going on but it's more receptive in the sense that they're also more likely to take in things. And so what we do with hypnotherapy is basically we create neural networks. And so everyone has a neural network. Your neural network is all your neurons, all your ganglion, uh, which is a fancy word for uh, kind of electrical towers within your body. Um, and your neural network is tied in with your nerve cells uh, with your body chemistry, with your hormones and everything else. And so what hypnotherapy does is actually it unbolts. It first looks at those neural networks, the ones that aren't working correctly. It unbolts those and then creates new networks so that energy can flow a different way. Uh, and that's one of the things that a lot of talk therapies miss out on is, is they actually talk about things, but they don't actually loosen those screws to an old nervous system that isn't working. And hypnotherapy actually loosens those bolts, does the hard work, and creates new networks so energy can flow in a positive direction. And when you refer to uh, talk therapy, are you referring to cognitive psychology, traditional psychiatry? What, what is that, and how, how does right. that work, or perhaps not work always? So, yeah, yeah. So when, you, when I say talk therapy, it's, it's a generic term that I mean. Um, and it's basically where someone goes in and it's like, okay, well, how was your day? How was your week? How are your kids? Okay, um, you know, and they get past a little bit of the fluff and they're like, okay, well, you know, Mr. Rogers, let's talk about your drinking problem or let's talk about the progress that you've made in this area or that area. Um, and that's called mindfulness. Um, you know, you have to keep certain things in mind. Uh, and that actually helps you because if you, 
It's like looking in a mirror. If you never look in the mirror, you're never going to know what you really look like. You have to look in the mirror because you're not someone else. You can't see yourself. You need the mirror or you need someone else to describe it. Um, so that's kind of what that is like. What are the limitations of, of cognitive psychology? So the, the limitations of it is, is you open up, um, you open up a dialogue, um, with the patients, uh, when you do cognitive therapy. Um, but it's difficult to make deeper breakthroughs because you have to, like I said, loosen up the bolts and screws around that neural network and cognitive therapy a lot of times will not accomplish that. So that's one of the differences between psychoanalysis and hypnotherapy and NLP and traditional talk therapies is we actually reach down into these neural networks that actually affect your functioning on a cellular level. Okay. And uh, tell us how we can find you. So you or can, how our listeners can. Right, right. I know where you're at. You're right across. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, you can find me in a lot of different places. Um, I've got a lot going on right now. I do a lot of speaking engagements. I just agreed to do 12 months worth of mental health columns for the Atlanta Business Journal. I also agreed to write mental health columns for two other magazines that are local to the, the greater Atlanta area. You can find me on the web at www.medicallegalconsultantsofgreateratlanta.com. I know that's kind of long, but hey. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at MLC Dr. Wright. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, WordPress. I write a lot of articles and blogs. I, wrote, I recently wrote uh, a, an article that goes into depth about uh, NLP and hypnotherapy and psychoanalytic techniques to achieve change. I also wrote um, an in-depth article about sleep. So a lot of people have sleep dilemmas these days. And so um, you can find me in all of those places. You can also find me on Google+, LinkedIn, and Tumblr. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Wright. Absolutely. I found that uh, very interesting. Uh, another Another uh, area of medicine, or maybe it's not even called medicine at, at all times, but it was just somewhat uh, misunderstood, uh, even though it's uh, everyone's heard about it, is uh, uh, chiropractic. And I have uh, Dr. Na Krump here to uh, tell us a little bit today about uh, uh, chiropractic medicine. And before we start getting into that, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me here. My name is Dr. Na Krump, originally from Ghana. I am sitting in for Dr. Kudria Scott of uh, Discover Health Chiropractic. Um, I'm set to join her practice in January, which is why I'm here today. Um, To tell you a little bit more about the office, we are located at uh, Sandy Springs, and it's um, on Roswell Road, and we are in Building D of of, um, 8079, I'm sorry, 8097 Roswell Road. And um, get to getting to the end of the show, we'll let you know exactly how to find us on various media. So about chiropractic, um, I would like to stress the fact that you know everybody knows that your brain controls everything that your body does, and in order for your brain and your what we call your nervous system, which is basically your brain and your spine. To control everything your body does, your body needs to be working properly, meaning it has to be communicating to every single cell of your body. Your body does that through your nerves. The nerves come out from the sides of your spine or vertebrae, and in all things being equal and all things working well, that communication should be going down properly so that everything works as it should. Unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't. It could be due to stress. Stress can be physical, emotional, it can be chemical, 
we all hear about how you should eat right, you should be exercising. All of these things are important to relieve some of those stress that we may have. Now, if you don't, unfortunately, have the stress to a level where your body can actually adapt to it and to make, be able to work regardless of what's going on, then you have a situation what we call, where we call um, subluxation, which simply means your body is not able to adapt to your stress level or whatever stress you put it under like it should. So let's take, for example, if you had a car accident, which we are all very familiar with, and so if the stress that your, your spine may have incurred is a little bit more than just rubbing it off or you know, stretching it out, then this is a situation where you do actually have what we call a subluxation going on, meaning your stress from that accident is too much for, you to, for your body to get rid of by itself. Now, is subluxation synonymous with some curvature of the spine that will happen when there's a uh, blunt traumatic in- impact, such as what will happen in an auto- automobile accident? Well, there's that. And that's what people usually are familiar with. But there's also the minute part that you don't even comprehend. Imagine getting your head thrown far forward and backwards, which means that the ligaments and all the muscles that are holding these areas or the joint that, that, that is in question has been thrown out of what they are used to be uh, working at. So basically you do have the massive, you know, obvious things that people have like swelling and, you know, heat in that area and, and such, but there's also stuff in there that you should be really considering, i.e. your nerves, i.e. The, those minute um, ligaments and things that hold your joints together. So once you have got what we call a subluxation, it could mean that you have lack of motion in a particular joint. It could mean you have too much motion or what we call hypermobility in an area. It could mean that because of that shift, the space for that nerve to go to that arm or heart or wherever it's going to may have changed, meaning it has become smaller or it may have changed other way around, which means it's, we have a, a much bigger space or if you have nerves or muscles that have been stretched, then yes, you have created a new environment for that area of your spine to work. And this is where making sure that somebody who knows what they are doing and checking for these things, take a look at what, what's going on and then correct them. So subluxation of the spine is not always something that's going to show up on an x-ray then, uh, even though I know... You'll see x-ray results, and you'll see some indication by the uh, radiologist that there's uh, spinal subluxation. Uh, You're saying it could be more minute and uh, much different than just the curvature of the spine from an impact that we all commonly uh, associate with subluxation. You're right. Um, Basically, you could have a subluxation that's very obvious, and everybody knows from looking at an x-ray that this is what's going on. And then there's that subluxation that you sometimes can see on an MRI because of soft tissue damage, or you have to call in tests like a CAT scan and all these other things just to prove that it's there physically. But mostly, yes, you can have a subluxation that is so minute that you don't know has happened. Okay, and you were saying that it takes somebody that knows what they're doing to treat this. Well, if the uh, subluxation can be difficult to detect, how do you go about detecting that and then treating and then treating uh, one of these subluxation symptoms you were uh, discussing? I'm glad you asked um, because we do get hours and hundreds and thousands of hours at school for doing this. So um, a qualified chiropractor is um, going to be able to do not only physical tests, which 
it's very important, like um, Dr. Wright said, it's so important to get physical exams done properly eh, because it shows you exactly where you should be going with the patient. One of the ways to do it will be your traditional palpation. It will be physical exam of um, all kinds of neurological and um, muscular tests. We also use um, a lot of instrumentation, depending on which chiropractor it is. We, in our offices, use a thermography exam, which actually was designed by NASA. It's called the subluxation station. And we're trying to come up with a, a way to make sure that the astronauts who are out there are still staying healthy, i.e. Their, nev- their nervous systems are working properly. So we use the same technique in our office, the same instrumentation to run a scan to see what is going on, it would be able to tell us whether there's um, more temperature on one side as against the other. We're able to do different types of tests on that subluxation station. So besides that, there will be a lot of uh, neurological and orthopedic tests to help us to see how much is going on, what nerves are fa- affected, what, where it's going, and what the patient's symptoms exactly are in correlation to those. Now, Dr. Wright mentioned earlier that insurance carriers have a tendency to treat all patient care the same way. And one thing I've seen with uh, chiropractic care, in in addition to uh, having uh, difficulties getting the insurance carrier to uh, approve it, it's chiropractors are typically not in the uh, insurance carrier's uh, network, but there are some exceptions to that. Uh, They also will in liability claims where somebody's been uh, injured in a car wreck due to the negligence of another, they uh, will limit the number of uh, patient visits or find, well, you went over so many visits or you treated so much, it's it's over-treatment. And right. they have their own standard uh, uh, schedules. Uh, what do you what do you say to that? Yes, um, it's a huge problem. I'm glad we're discussing this today. Um, some car- well, some chiropractors are actually in network with other insurance, so your insurance to some extent may cover it. But they will tell you how much you should go, meaning that the insurance company will decide we want you to go to the chiropractor for six visits. It's like going to the dentist and telling the dentist, "Hey, um, my patient has a problem and they need a retainer, or maybe they need." braces, but I want you to let them wear it for two days or maybe a month. That is upset, and nobody should ever have to decide that on behalf of any doctor without even knowing exactly what's going on with the patient. So what I'm driving at is this. People come to us, and the insurance will cover only about 12 visits, which is not, in, in comparison to the first scenario I made, does not make any sense for us to do, but that's exactly what happens. Um, but most people, thankfully, people who understand exactly what we do and what our care for their health is valued at, you literally would come out of pocket and see chiropractors for whatever they need for as long as they need to because they know that this is what they need and um, it makes a, a huge impact in their quality of life. And, and what kind of injuries or symptoms do you look for in determining whether uh, chiropractic care is appropriate for a given patient? Oh, so um, when patients show up, um, there's, we consider something as a uh, limitation of matter. So, for example, if you came out of you know, an accident and you obviously have a condition where you should be getting a surgery or anything like that, it's easy for us to tell because we'll be able to do 
muscular tests and other uh, neurological tests that would tell us exactly that you need to be in somebody else's office. But for the most part, the same test will allow us to know if you're within the scope of our practice, basically. So if, if you needed to, let's say, if you showed up with a frozen shoulder, I would need to do a few tests that will help me to see which part of your, your um, spine is affected and or if this condition is affecting your arm. And so whatever test I do neurologically will tell me exactly which pattern to, to follow. And so, yes, I do have the tools of what it takes. We do um, all kinds of um, not only physical but also nerve tests to see what, what nerve pattern is, the whole condition is taking. So we do palpations. We would do um, a few um, Palpations is just a physical exam. Yes, though, is that a correct? physical okay. exam, right. um, which will include a, a whole bunch of other things like uh, neurological pain wheels and you know um, muscle taps and everything that we are taught at school is used to find out if the patient is within our jurisdiction. And if you have a uh, a patient who's got a clear nerve impingement from a, uh, a a disc herniation, mm-hmm. and there's no dispute that you have uh, the impingement and say it's in the uh, lumbar spine, lower back area, and it's causing ridiculous mm-hmm. symptoms. Uh, in other words, uh, symptoms traveling down the oh. legs and to certain, the feet and certain toes. Mm-hmm. How, do you, uh, how do you go about handling uh, a patient's care with that diagnosis and experiencing those symptoms. Okay. Um, that's a very specific condition. And we do, we have in our office, for example, we have what we call a Cox flexion distraction table. This table allows us to be able to treat specifically disc problems. Once we have determined that that's what it is, which is how brilliantly you laid it out, the moment you know it's going on a leg, it, it follows a certain pattern, we do know we've taken x-rays. We know that maybe you have a bulge here from your MRI. What we do is um, to put how we treat this patient is, first of all, slowly, one. Two, uh, we may be able to use some ice and um, a little bit of stretching here and there, but for the most part, this table does phenomenal for us. It helps us to be able to what we call, quote-unquote, pump some of that uh, fluid accumulation from the spine by doing a technique called a cox flexion distraction. The table allows the patient to be able to move their certain way back and forth, to be able to do what we call um, imbibition and let, let out some of the pressure off of that disc. Um, how we do that, again, is flexion and, and distraction. And then um, when, once you do all of that for a few minutes, it will allow the patient's, uh, that particular area to relieve some of the fluid that it has retained, which means it will put less pressure on that, on that disc area, which means that the nerves that are coming from that side will not necessarily be as tightly fitted, if you understand what I mean, by uh, the mere fact that you have reduced some of the edema um, um, that's around that, that disc. So um, with, with that uh, technique, we could treat that patient, or we could also use instrumentation, which everybody knows about what we call um, an activator. It's an instrument that allows us to be able to go in there specifically to a particular area and uh, turn it onto as much tension or as little tension as we want and be able to target these areas and uh, treat them with a little less manual manipulation, if that makes sense. So patients can come in 
and they, they'll be on the table and they'll be able to get their treatment in that area of the disc uh, without being moved back and forth as much as you would your other patients who do not necessarily come in as immobile as they do. Okay. And how do our listeners find you? Again, we are located at Sandy Springs. Um, you can find us on, on the web by going to um, discoverhealth.com uh, or uh, discover health, uh, discoverchiro.com. And um, our physical address is 8097 Roswell Road, Building D, Suite uh, 101, Sunny Springs. If you would like to um, make an appointment, you could call out on our uh, office numbers there, which is 678-395-4603. Also, uh, we, had, we are now celebrating a year of being in the Sunny Springs location, and so we are running a special it's um, in collaboration with um, a nonprofit down in Atlanta. We are trying to um, charge what we usually, half of what we usually charge for uh, consultation. And um, if we are able to make an appointment within the, this time, it will be uh, $57 instead of 125 which is our usual new patient exam, which includes that um, thermal scan and also... Um, physical exams, and if you're able to do that, we're able to, we will be able to donate $20 of the promotion to the foundation called Mary Hall Freedom House and uh, be able to help them with their, their uh, cost of um, reducing poverty and homelessness to women and children. All right. I'm familiar with the Mary Hall Freedom House. They do good work there. Well, thank you, Dr. Crump, Dr. Wright. Uh, Absolutely. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the uh, conversation, and that will conclude uh, Law and Medicine. Dun, dun, and don't forget to look for my firm uh, on the web. We do, we do have relationships with physicians from almost any school of medicine, whatever is most appropriate for you, that we can help in, in the uh, referral process. And uh, I hope everyone has, uh, has enjoyed the, uh, the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you again for joining us and our guests on the Law and Medicine Show. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Law and Medicine Show, brought to you by the law firm of Princenthal and May. To connect with the show's sponsor, visit princemay.com. And to listen to previous broadcasts, visit lawandmedicineshow.com.